So I love, like, every time I see you, I feel like God, I don't know if you know this, but, like, I see you in the Target parking lot, and <laughs> and you, like, speak words into my yeah. life that have really impacted me. And, like, even, like, your Instagram story when I watch you, like, yeah. the stuff you say is really powerful because it's true. Yeah. Like, something I really admire about you is your ability to just speak the truth. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've always had that, but, like, it seems like you're just you and you're not really bothered by what anyone would think. Oh my gosh. That, well, I, I have goosebumps actually, um, because that was not the case. Now speaking the truth has always been there, but it was not valued. Like that was not valued in my home. I don't think it was valued in like my friends. I think being a woman and culture as I'm almost 40, so it's getting better these days, but it's getting better these days. But like, if you think, you know, 20 years ago, women having a voice was not like a thing per se. Um, and so being someone who just can't help but be truthful and honest and like, I don't hide things well. I'm, I'm someone who like, I just am who I am. And I spent a lot of my, my life trying to hide that, like trying to be less, trying to not be so much, trying to not speak so truthfully, but I couldn't. It was just like how God made me. Um, and that was in my home growing up. I don't think it was super valued because we were a home of broken people. And I think the other parts of my family, my parents and my brother particularly, I think they actually liked it more when we could just make it like tie a bow on things. And like, like they looked pretty. smooth it over. Yeah. Like, and, and I was like, wait, but. Um, like don't be disruptive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did I not like that. that. They did not like any yeah. sort of disruption. And that is just, I mean, it's not because they didn't love me. It was just they were trying to maintain and I was trying to fix because that was like what God has in me. Is like I mean, to point I can relate to that 100%. My parents are definitely people that are like, if you do something like, let's just be happy. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, I love to just be happy. Yeah. I have a really hard time. Like if I see something, not to say something, yeah. you know, yeah. and, um, it's hard when, you know, we did grow up in a world where, there wasn't really space or room for us to be yeah. like the way it is now. Yeah, like absolutely. you see Greta Thunberg and you're yes. like, I should have grown up now. <laughs> like, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. And absolutely. she like lights my soul on fire, yeah, you know, absolutely. like how she just stands up and she, she doesn't care what anyone thinks. No. And Jesus was like that. Oh, like I look so at her like and I'm that. like, you know, this is how Jesus was. Like he walked in and he was like, this is the way it is. Like he saw the truth and he spoke the truth and he was disruptive. Absolutely. Um, and so I don't take anything you say as disruption at all, but I can, I can understand that sentiment of, you know, the household that you grew up, grew up in and that, but when you speak things to me, it's like truth for my life. Like God can redeem anything, you know? And I have struggled with so much anxiety and fear over my children, you know? And I saw you in target and you're like, you're like, (laughs) God can redeem anything, Francis, yeah. you know, yeah. and to have that thought and the yeah. belief in a God that can redeem anything. And then like in church on Sunday, they're like, this is a book of redemption. Church is not a, a place that holds like self-righteous people. It's a shelter for sinners. And this is his book of redemption. And I don't know. I just feel like you probably have a really powerful story of how God redeemed your life. Absolutely. 
And I would love to hear it yeah. and have you share that with yeah. people. So thank you. Yeah, I and I think that's so much of where that like that. Um, there's this idea that like there's three types of leaders, or there's kind of and it's the priest, the prophet, and the king. Um, okay. And I'm a prophet voice in the sense that like not that I'm prophesizing, but like. I'm just like, wait, like there's a problem there or like, let me help you out with that. So a priest, a prophet. And a king. And a king. And okay. so the priest is someone who like points people um, or who's like, I think offers that warmth and, you know, whatever. And the king is the directing and the long vision and like the planning and caring for making sure everyone's okay. Um, and like the masses or whatever. And the prophet is pointing people back to God. But like, think about the prophets in the Bible. They weren't the well-loved people. They no. were the people who had to share hard truths. And I'm, it's not that my truth is always hard. I think sometimes loving people well is telling them hard truths, but truths is also speaking things that other people are all experiencing and feeling but are afraid to say. And I think that is where my um, truth has, like, it has morphed into more of that in the sense that, like, I'm just willing to be transparently me in front of other people, not because I think I have it all together, but I'm pretty sure none of us do, and I'm willing to say me too. And yeah, so, yeah. I think that that has really just come from my identity in Christ. I think before that, um, that's where in my family as like speaking truth or being who I was, it was much, and it wasn't their fault, but they were, they were all doing the best they could. But I think it was like, you know, make it look pretty, tie a bow on it and let's just try to, you know, um, get through the day and looking well to, to those around us. And it wasn't, it wasn't an honest reflection of what was happening in our family. Well, and as a child growing up in a home, you want the unconditional love of your family. Absolutely. So if you feel like you're being disruptive and something might not get, you might not get that love Absolutely. if you're yourself and you tell yes. the truth. I mean, yeah. that's a really hard path to walk. Yes. You know it, what I it mean? Was. It was for sure. And I think that's where, um, I mean, my, and I, this is, um, I think that everyone shares their story in their own time. I've been very public and very open about mine, but my um, very first memory in life is of being abused um, by a neighbor. It's the earliest memory I have. And so my frame of reference for the world is one that is unsafe um, and one in which um, my my body, my personhood um, is not mine. And so, I mean, my whole world was mixed up from as long as I can remember. And then I grew up in a family where my dad was an active alcoholic and my parents both came from broken homes. And I mean, there was just a lot of brokenness there. And so, um, my childhood was hard. I mean, we had a, I have a loving family. My parents are still together. They're still married. They're happy. Like they actually really like each other still, you know, many yeah. years later, my dad's been in recovery for most of my adult life, um, over 20 years. And, um, and so things are great now, but there was definitely hardships in that, in those early years. And I struggled with, um, anxiety and depression probably since I was seven or eight. Um, including in high school. And I was always searching for something to make me enough or make me whole. Um, and um, then I got into my teens and I just think I traveled like a dark road. I didn't do drugs or, or anything, but it was just like, I was just emotionally really in a dark place. And then I hit early twenties and I think freedom plus brokenness equaled more brokenness. You know what I mean? It was a path that was just littered with poor choices and then consequences of those choices and just trying to cope with the brokenness and like you Looking said for love in, in ways that are going to break you more Absolutely. right yeah I mean, like you're like this makes me feel better but it breaks you more absolutely. ultimately it which did. is really hard it absolutely did and 
So my parents were, um, I called them C and E Christians, right? Like they were really involved when I was very young before I like super remember. And then there was a period of time where it was like, we only went occasionally. We went a couple times a year yeah. or Christmas and Easter. Like you the know holidays. what I mean? Right, exactly. Yeah. And now I knew growing up in my home that believing in Jesus was the only way, like God was God and Jesus was the only way. Yeah. Now that didn't mean we were walking it out necessarily or talking about it or whatever. Um, but as I got into my early twenties, I explored Buddhism. I explored so like, did I. atheism. I remember my first and, book like, on Buddha. I was like, he's so cool. Yeah. I mean like, well, and it was, I was finding my own. And I, I remember at that point, my parents were going back to church and I remember them coming home and talking to me about what they learned. And one day they came home and said, you know, like tonight, today we learned about how wives submit to their husbands. And I was like, I might, I might be sick. Like, I found it so offensive. I mean, I found the gospel offensive. Like, offend, I really did. It offended you. Absolutely. At that point in my life, I was angry and I was alone and I was hurting. And the God I grew up with was not, I don't know. It was like. It a, wasn't a quick fix. No, it, it, it wasn't a God that was, I didn't know a Jesus who was present and kind and caring and there for you. I knew it, there were some rules and I knew there was like. A truth to it, but I didn't experience the love of Christ. So I definitely want to talk about this offensiveness because I saw someone post online that if atheists um, have a hard time teaching their kids about things that aren't real, okay, because an atheist doesn't believe right. in God, why do they not have a problem with telling their kids about Santa or the Easter Bunny? But yeah. they're so offended about yeah. like involving their children in anything that's yeah. faith right. related yeah. and it's because it's offensive yeah so i really want to try to discover where that offensiveness yeah. comes from does it come from disappointment in where you that's are in exactly. life yeah i mean really and the 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 reason i found it offensive at that point was like how dare you try to get i mean it, at the deepest level how dare you try to get me to submit or, or to give me false hope. Like what like I found hope. it offensive to believe that there was someone, God, something, right? Um, that was going to be there for me and that was going to take care of me or you or and anybody. It's scary like, to like it's believe a lot. that, right? Like it's scary to be like, I'm gonna put my hope in you. What if you let me down? Yeah. You know, and yeah. I I mean I think that everyone can struggle with that. Like, please don't like even doing this, like the verse I found was, you know, Incline my heart to your testimonies, Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. Like you step yeah. out in this hope and this faith, and you're like, yeah. don't, don't let me down. And you had been let down so much so in life. Well, and I think it was, it was like the fakeness of it. My parents were getting back into it, and I get it now that I'm a mature adult and a mature Christian myself. But I was like, y'all are liars. Yeah. Like, look at the wreckage of our life, which wasn't that wrecked, by the way, but in the moment of 22. That was your everything. reality, and that's people's reality. Like, you know, look at the world we live in. Like, look at yeah. our planet. And, yeah. like, you're, you know, like, you hear people say, like, I don't want your hope and prayers. Yeah. I want change, yeah. you know? And, yeah. Um, so for, so when my parents would, like, come home and talk a little bit about Jesus, and they were, like, joyful, and I, I mean, honestly, at that point, I found happy people offensive as well. Yeah. Like, I know that sounds silly, but you found like, hopeful people offensive, yes, probably. Absolutely. Because I was hurting. I mean, like, that's the bottom line is I was angry and I was hurting. And so when those people would come to me with their light and love and Jesus, I was like, y'all are stupid. This is pop psychology, which, by the way, I'm a counselor. So, like, pop psychology <laughs> all day long, I get, I don't know. 
like I studied psychology and that was what I was in school for when I found psychology so offensive. <laughs> but, um, but I just was like, you guys are falling for lies. But it was because I had never personally experienced So let's Christ. talk about that. Let's talk about when you knew the truth for yourself yeah. and for your heart and yeah. how so that happened. I The short of the long is I was dating a guy in my late teens um, and I was just head over heels in love with him and um, that first like real significant relationship and, and I had a best friend and I just shared my whole heart with her all the time about him and um, then him and I were on and off again like normal things happen yeah. when you're 20. Yeah. Um, and um, they, some time went, went by between him and I, and next thing you know, my best friend started dating him. Oh, I went through something similar. And so um, I, oh, my heart was so broken over him and over her. And, and, and um, that is like, can be so devastating. Oh, it was. That's like your heart. Yeah. You know? Well, in our group of friends, it was like, who wins who in the divorce kind of thing. Yeah. But so some time went by and her and I did not talk. Our friends separated. I was very isolated at that point and very alone. And then I don't know how it happened, but we started to get in contact again. You and, and your, this friend. Yes. And nobody liked it. Everyone thought it was strange and weird. Um, her and um, the guy I was sitting at the time uh, or when they had started when her and I were best friends and who I was dating, she was now getting ready to marry him. Wow. Um, she was pregnant with their first kid. I mean, it was like they were starting a full life together and I supported her and I was excited for her and for him. And God had redeemed our friendship. Wow. Um, and that was so powerful. And at the same time, because it had been a number of years, it had been three, four years at that point um, since my relationship with, that, with her soon-to-be husband had ended. And I know that sounds super confusing, but... Um, I was in a very dark time and very depressed time. And she and I had met outside of Starbucks. We, her and I had met outside of Starbucks and she um, said, can I pray for you? And I literally, again, I was like, oh, please don't. Like mm, prayers so Like you're weird. the last person I want. I was, well, I was just like, ew, it's icky. And she, like, please don't. But at the same time, my heart was so desperate, so, so desperate um, for healing and for being loved. Like my, my soul needed to be love. loved. Not forgiveness, like I wasn't actually there yet. I just needed to, to like have a reason to live and like, and, and, and a to love. have hope. Yes. And she said, can I pray for you? And she prayed for me outside of Starbucks. She held my hands, which was strange for me even at that moment. And she prayed that God would light a fire in me. And then I went home and nothing. Wow. And within, over the next two weeks, my heart was absolutely on fire for God. I mean, it, it really? was like a complete, and it was a complete. So you went home and nothing, and then it. Yeah. And it slowly, it was like a building, it was like a building fire. You know, it was like she sparked some, you know, God sparked uh, some kindling, you know, and it grew and it grew. And over two weeks, um, I like gave my life to Christ at home. I was like by myself and she'd call me and we'd talk and I would pray and I would read in the Bible and like, and then I just was all in and that was it. So, um. As icky as it felt, and the offensiveness yeah. that you still felt, yeah. What made you say yes? You think desperate? Just I was absolutely desperate. And absolutely how bold desperate. of her to? I, I mean, to this day, I've to this day, and we're we're still good friends. I don't. I mean, God used her, but she saved my life, and she and she just was bold enough to sit outside that Starbucks and say to this girl who was like chain smoking cigarettes and cursing left and right and like being out in the wilderness, you know what I yeah. mean? To be like, can I pray for you? And I was just like, I was so desperate that I was like, yes, but this is gross and weird, and I don't want to, but like, I'll give anything a chance at this point. Um, but that she did that because if she hadn't, I don't think. 
I mean, I would never have got gone, like turned to Christ on my own, I don't think. That is just a, such a beautiful story. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing Absolutely. that. And I just want to touch on your work with Samaritan Village yeah. because your brokenness and your healing and you finding that unconditional love in yeah. God has helped you be able to share that yeah. with victims Absolutely. of sex trafficking. Yeah. So I, as I shared, I have that early childhood abuse. It spurred me on with anxiety and depression to study counseling and psychology. I went to school for that. And I found a great gifting in working with women in general who are survivors of any sort of sexual trauma, which is unfortunately the numbers these days are, are, are staggering just for the everyday person. So most of the women I saw were struggling with that um, or had experience. They weren't struggling with it. They were survivors of it. Um, and we were walking through that as counselor and, and client. And um, after some years of doing that, I someone asked me to um, explore and to like take a look at the role of being the executive director of recovery or like the clinical program director at Samaritan Village. And I loved it. I fell in love with the organization and moved into that role. And so at Samaritan Village, I created a recovery program for survivors who are adult women of human sex trafficking. And so much of that work was face to face, like going in the jail, meeting with these women for the first time. Um, talking with them and going into a jail. I mean, oh, yeah. if you've never been in one, it's it's, it's legit. It's, I mean, it's yeah. The, the the doors lock behind you. I yeah. mean, like it's it's an intense experience. But like meeting them, and I think what most people and, and I I love that God uses that about me now. Even though it was hard to be that just transparent person and to like not be able to hide who you are growing up, that was hard. But now I've seen God redeem that and use that for so many. Um, for his good. And so when I would meet with these women, I think what most of the feedback I've experienced over the years of, of working with survivors is that they're just like, oh my gosh, you just feel like me, like you could be me. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like I don't feel different from you. Um, and so when you're sharing Christ and when you're sharing God with, with women and they feel like um, he loved, cause I would share my brokenness up and, and transparently shared like the transformation that's happened in, in my life when I shared that with them, they were like, well, I mean, if he can love you there, I'm sure he can love me here, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that was really, it made, it made Jesus more accessible to them, I yeah. think. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm no longer the, the executive director or clinical director there. I'm now on the board of directors because I have three kids and a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and I don't work with the women one-on-one -on -one, um, anymore, although I'm in contact with all the women most of the women that I did work with um, when I was in that role, I'm still with them. And and something that I really love is um, how sometimes, a lot of times, like you want to end to your struggle, you want to overnight fix, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And yeah. That, that those years built on of struggling for yeah. you, I mean, if it would have been just like a bad week, you couldn't have done the work yeah. that you've done. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. It was a life up to a point of of that struggle, and yeah. so you're able to meet people where they're at. And I just think it's a, a beautiful testimony to to God's power. Yeah, he's. I, I feel like one of the giftings, the biggest gift that he's ever given me was the, my brokenness and his redeeming it because it makes me so comfortable sitting in the darkness with others. Like I'm not afraid of it, right? And I don't find it scary. I don't find it offensive or gross or too much ever like I'm totally comfortable there because I've been in that I've been in the pit myself yeah and so just as we finish up here is there a verse that you have written on your heart yeah um 
Romans 5, 9, um, just reminding us that God proved his love for us, that he died for us while we were yet still sinners. And I think that's because I still identify with a being an incredibly broken person. <laughs> um, and that um, at the same time, part of that, I knowing how broken I am is because I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. And so when you have that perfectionism, you never feel like you are good enough. Um, and so. And we never will be good enough. And that's. Right. That's, and it's like. That's okay. the grace. Once you know that, you're yes. like, okay. That's why I can breathe nowadays. Right? <laughs> yeah. But like, but knowing that he loved me when I was just not like he, he like, I wasn't like in the wilderness and like found my way back. I mean, like he plucked me out of like the depth of the wilderness. Yeah. I mean, he pulled me from the bottom of the ocean dead to pull me up for life kind of thing. And he did that not because I earned it, not because I worked harder. I was kind enough or good enough. He did it when I was the worst. And when and I, he, I was offended by him and, and he when, still died for me. Oh, I have goosebumps now too. Yeah. Cause of his grace and his mercy. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you so yeah, much. I just absolutely. love you. And I love you too, girl. I really do. And I, I appreciate you coming here and sharing your heart with me and and every time you do, even in the Target parking lot <laughs> or on Instagram. <laughs> Again, like, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little is probably, like, my tagline. Same. But, like, um, I, I, I love Jesus, you know, and I think that's the – I think that's what most people take when they leave those conversations with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. You just – yeah, it's true. It's very evident. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for All having right. me. <laughs> thank you. Give me